Hello, and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. I'm so delighted that you have joined me because the purpose of our show is to uncover, eradicate, and to dismantle racism. And I want you to be a part of that movement. We are going to begin, as we always do, by taking a moment to center ourselves and to ground ourselves. So I want to invite you wherever you are, if you are in a place where you can sit firmly and comfortably in a chair and feel your feet on the floor so that you can ground yourself. And I want to invite you to just connect with your breath. Breathing in and out, being conscious of this moment in time. Just breathing in and out. And just give gratitude for yourself. Gratitude for who you are. Gratitude for the gifts that you have. And just gratitude for this time in which you can open up your heart and your mind and you can expand your consciousness around race, racial equities, and dismantling racism. Breathe in and out, connecting with your sacred intelligence your divine wisdom, that part of you that helps you to manifest your greatness while manifesting the greatness of others. Breathe in and out, recognizing this life force, this life force that is you, this power that is you. Recognizing that your sacred source, your own divinity, is there to help you to make intelligent choices. Breathe in and out. Expanding your mind and accepting that you are limitless within you is power that you have yet to tap into. Breathe in and out, recognizing that that power opens the door to possibilities. Grab hold of those possibilities. Breathe in and exhale. Breathe in and exhale. Breathe in and exhale. Connecting with those that are present with you. Connecting with those who are listening over the airwaves or social media. Connect with the wider community, world, and universe. Breathe in and out. Recognizing that what you do matters and that the power of one contributes to the power of community. 
Together, we can change the status quo. So breathe in and out. And take one more big breath in. Sigh it out. And when you're ready, open your eyes and let's begin. Today on our show, we're going to be talking about stories because stories matter. What we tell ourselves about ourselves, what we tell ourselves about other people, those stories and our opinions and our perspectives, they have the power to heal and they have the power to actually be deadly. Think about the stories that you know, that you've heard in particular about people of color. Think about the stories that you've even heard about white people or white supremacy. Think about how the devastation of not knowing the truth of our history has impacted us because we only want to hear some stories. And we know that stories are often told from the perspective, probably most often told from the perspective of the conqueror, of the victor. And so we don't want truth to be known if we believe that it is going to threaten us and our livelihood. So one of the things I think about in terms of stories, and as I was preparing for today, I thought about the stories that people have said about Black people in particular around education, our intellect, and our mental health. When I worked in a public high school, when I walked through the doors, it was evident to me who was in honors classes and who was in special ed classes. And the school was 95% black and brown. So just think about that for a moment, that if most of the black and brown students were in a special ed class or regular ed class and the honors classes were predominantly white, what story do you make up? What do you believe to be the truth about how smart people of color are? What stories do you believe about us as it relates to being in special ed? One of the reasons I was hired to work for that district is because we had an overabundance of black and brown males in particular who were being suspended and expelled from school, but also we had an overabundance of black and brown students who were identified as socially, emotionally disturbed. And the language that was often used when we would have a meeting, even with sending students to in-school suspension, would be sending them to the holding room. So we're already creating a story around where black and brown students need to be housed. Because when you say holding room, does that not remind you of a jail cell? So we're already saying, this is where these students are going. 
they're emotionally disturbed. Not that they live in neighborhoods, for instance, for some of these kids, where there are things going on in the neighborhood that might contribute to their acting out experience, that might contribute to their sadness or depression. We didn't take a look at the larger system. So there's a story being told that when children behave a certain way, that perhaps they don't have the intellectual capacity to get better grades, or perhaps their acting out is because they're socially, emotionally disturbed, rather than looking at the entire system. And I can tell you that when I became a school psychologist and began to look at the data a bit more carefully, there were many students that I took out of special ed because they didn't need to be there. They needed other resources to help them navigate life and to help them navigate school. When given the opportunity, they excelled, but there was a story being told. And sometimes those stories are subtle or sometimes if we're not conscious about race and racism, we don't notice it, we accept it. Another story that I learned about very early on in psychology was that most black people, well, let me, let me rephrase that, that more black people were diagnosed with schizophrenia when there was a thought disorder happening or when there were some other psychological behaviors happening, doctors did not examine them carefully enough, but just assumed that whatever their behavior was that seemed a little bit out of the norm would be diagnosed as schizophrenic. Why? Because we were seen as deviant. We were seen as there being something wrong with us, rather than taking a look at the system. I think many of us have seen over the last couple of years with the ways in which we've had to manage COVID and to manage the conversation around racism. And many folks who didn't recognize racism before have begun to see that really what we experience as people of color on a daily basis is really enough to make one lose their minds. But most of us don't. And most of us function every day with good intellect and good emotional and psychological stability. But that's not what the world says. And that's not what the story says about us. And it's time that we change that story. And the only way we change it is to learn more about one another so that we don't fear one another. And so that black and brown men who are stopped for a traffic violation don't end up dead. That's why it's important for us to tell the story. It's important for us to tell the story so that we can reduce mass incarceration where we don't find black and brown men in jail for crimes that many white people commit who don't end up in jail. 
So what do we do about it? We began to tackle the problem of racism in all aspects of our lives. My guest today is here because she is committed to changing the story and she has found a way in her profession to change that story. She's found a way by using art. So when I tell you that racism and the dismantling of racism can be infused in every aspect of our lives, indeed it can. So I'm very excited today to have as my guest, Emma Palazir Ray. She's a playwright, actor, director, producer, and nonprofit administrator. She is the Associate Director of ArtReach Incorporated, where she oversees theater programming and fundraising. She's the former Artistic Director of Plays for Living in New York City, a touring theater for social change. Emma's plays include On Hattie's House, What Compelled Harriet Beecher Stowe to Pin Uncle Tom's Cabin, and The Woodhull Project. 1872 presidential candidate Victoria Woodhall, which tour under the banner of Be Well Productions. Emma serves on the steering committee of the League of Professional Theater Women and co-chair for New London Arts Council. She is a member of Actors Equity Association and the Dramatics Guild, where she serves as the regional representative for New England West. In 2021, Emma was awarded an artistic fellowship from the Connecticut Office of the Arts. Emma, I want to welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be a dynamic conversation, and we are going to take a quick break and come back and hear all about the work that you're doing. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We will be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Thank you. 
Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today, Emma Palazier Ray, is here to talk about the stories we tell, as well as the work that she's doing in the artistic arena. As I said before the break, Emma, I'm so excited to have you here, but I want to start out asking you something that I try to ask all my guests, because we're living in the world where it seems like day to day, there's so much... uh, chaos that's going on, whether it be from wars or still trying to manage COVID and still this discussion of racism that we're having, among other things, you know, um, do you have a sacred practice? Do you have something that helps to ground you and, you know, kind of get you through the day-to-day experiences? I do, but I would say until fairly recently, it's been um, less conscious, right? Uh, I've had periods where I've practiced TM, but, you know, especially like through COVID, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do like my 220 minutes a day. And I still struggle to um, do that consistently. So I kind of said, let me let this go. Um, two things that, uh, and, and both are groups that we started at ArtReach. One is a practice called Bullet Journal. Um, so we have a group that meets every week to uh, do our bullet journals. And I, uh, in my bullet journal, I make a point of um, looking at, and I started starting the day with gratitude and a focus for my day. Um, and also looking at various um, parts of my life. Like, am I creating something? Am I connecting with people so that every day I am consciously like having an intention in in those you know not just work and not just the to-do list but um, those other elements and then recently we started an artist way group which is um if i don't know if you're familiar with artist way it came out in the late 80s and i had the book on my shelf (laughs) and i went to like three or four different events or speakers where the person said well i do morning pages from the artist way every day and I thought, okay, universe, I hear you loud and clear because this is coming up too much. So I went to the shelf and pulled out my artist way. This was like the middle of the summer and uh, started, uh, you know, going through that um, that process, and which is very much about um, connected with sacred intelligence. And I've been thinking about it as I, uh, right, and my um, philosophy that artists are just channeling um creative energy so it it really reinforces that and unblocks you um so that you are able to just be that channel uh, of creative energy so that's kind of where my focus has been these days so i just want you to clarify because tm could mean many things but i'm assuming you're being transcendental meditation is that what you're referring to yes okay because i want our audience to 
to know because yeah. sometimes we'll use language that we think everybody is familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. In the bullet journal, you can say a little bit more about what that is, which has been pretty popular in the last uh, couple of years. But, yes. um, you know, it's just the type of journal that people can use to manage their their life, so to speak, or to help them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah and not it's really, very, but it has, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and so it's very customizable to what each individual's needs are, um, not only in terms of their life, but how their thought process works or how they're, you know, um, it was developed by a young man with ADHD. So, you know, it was his own system for himself of, uh, tracking his life and making sure he's productive and focused and uh, on purpose, really. It's about, because right. it's also very much about the why are you doing all these things and not just here's the things I need to do, right? So, yes, yeah. yes. And, and we all have to have ways in which we manage what is going on around us. It's so interesting that you mentioned the artist's way and it being on your shelf because books call to us at the appropriate time and it just means that now was the time for you to engage in in the in that uh, as well I actually gave a copy of the artist's way to one of my daughters and I will be honest I had forgotten I gave it to her but one day she says mom I just absolutely love this book and so she really makes it a practice uh, and I want to just say to our audience journaling is an awesome way of connecting with your feelings, helping you to be in a place of gratitude if you keep a gratitude uh, journal as well, and and just really helping you to kind of sort through some of the things and to be able to go inward and listen to your sacred intelligence. I actually uh, have two journals that I keep. One is just my daily journal of writing, and the other one is I try to make sure, if not every day, I'm doing a gratitude journal several times a week to see what there is to be grateful for. Because in this work of dismantling racism, it would be so easy for us to look at everything that's not going well. But when we can spend some time in that energetic space of what is going well and knowing that there are good people out here and knowing that and not just good people, because that's like a judgment, you know, to sometimes to use those terms, but knowing that there are people out here who are on the journey with us. And so I want to thank you for being on the journey. And I want you to talk a little bit about, you know, it's very interesting because your work that you're doing is around social justice. So tell us a little bit about the project that you are doing. And your company in general, okay? Yeah, so let me kind of start with the background. So um, ArtReach was founded in 1985, primarily as a sketch comedy troupe. But the sketch comedy was all um, performed, written and performed by adults living with mental illnesses and about the mental health system and about their experiences. So ArtReach is already always identified as a theater for social change from that regard, um, even, uh, you know, with its performances. And in the 80s, 90s was extremely popular, even into 2000s, uh, toured nationally. 
um, you know, would premiere a new show every year and, and tour it for that year. Um, and so that's our background. Um, today, we provide a whole variety of arts programs, uh, still for the population of adults living with mental illnesses. Um, and our public performances and art exhibits help raise awareness about mental health and bust the stigma of mental illness. So we're working one-on-one -on -one and in small groups to um, heal through creativity and then using that creativity in the community at large to heal society. So we do music, theater, visual arts, wellness programs, and kind of any other creative. We do creative field trips. We do, um, you know, kind of anything that, you know, people are interested in, uh, we'll present that. So um, I have a background also in theater for social change um, through, I kind of stumbled into a job at the organization you mentioned in New York, Plays for Living, and was like, wow, I didn't know like theater for social change was a thing. You know, it was one of those like, oh, I'm home now, you know, <laughs> when I found it. And um, at the time that I worked for Plays for Living, which was uh, mid 90s to early 2000s, we were doing a lot of work around um, diversity in the workplace, whole bunch of issues, domestic violence, um, sexual harassment, diversity for middle and high schools, right? And there were different plays that addressed different issues. You know, back in the 90s, corporations had a lot of money to bring the theater troupe in. Mm -hmm. We, you know, at that time, we mm -hmm. flew all over the country to do these corporate trainings on diversity with a play called People Like Us. Mm -hmm. um, when I came to ArtReach in 2019 and we were designing theater programs, at one point we said, you know, let's have a theater for social change workshop and we'll read different plays and discuss them every week, you know, and engage some people and, uh, you know, just sitting around the table and reading plays. So it didn't necessarily have to be members who like to get up on stage, you know? <laughs> so, um, and we took out that people like us play on diversity from Plays for Living and had a really rich discussion about it. So fast forward to COVID, George Floyd's murder. And as an organization, we said, well, let's let's do something. And we produced that play as a reading on Zoom as a training, just like for us as staff members, board members, volunteers to open the discussion on diversity. Um, so we got a great response to that and applied for a grant to then tour that play um, 10 times to uh, our community's mental health um, uh, agencies that we partner with. And uh, we also brought it to local libraries. So mm -hmm. getting that conversation going out in the community. Um, so that uh, kind of brings us up to the next project that... <laughs> Well, before you get to the before you get to the next project, because we are going to have to take yeah. a, a quick break. I, when we come back, I'd love to hear what your definition of diversity mm -hmm. is, because as a person who works to dismantle racism, I'm very clear when I go into spaces that I'm talking about racism, because a lot of times when we think about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and belonging. Now, 
people are talking about every group, but we fear talking about race. It's more comfortable to talk about the others. So when we come back, I want you to answer the question, what what do you mean by diversity? And then we'll talk a little bit more about your project. So we are going to be right back with Emma Palazir Ray talking about art reach and the work that they are doing in social change. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Emma Palazir Ray, and we're talking about art, really, and the theater and social change. So, Emma, before the break, you were talking about uh, the work that you all were doing with social change around diversity. So, what does diversity mean to you? So, yes, and you made me realize, like, that's habitual that I describe that play as being about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, because we really did pitch it as, um, you know, looking at systemic racism in the place of this, <laughs> these fictional characters. And, um, and that's just kind of the history of it. But diversity, yes, is, uh, to me, recognizing and appreciating the, dir- the differences that everybody is bringing to um, a community and a space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with those plays, when you all went in, you had a fair number of uh, black and brown people who were also acting in those plays as well. Yeah. So like this was all possible because or um, more doable because of COVID virtual platforms Um the cast of the play, and and I should say, right, this play was written in uh, 1994, I believe. We had mm-hmm. very little to change in terms mm-hmm. of the play. 
and the situations presented. Still very true. What has changed is our language around it, right? In the facilitation, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. systemic racism and, and instead of diverse, looking at diversity in an office, right? And different ways we could debrief the play. So the play doesn't stand alone. It's, it's purpose is to spark discussion. So, um, uh, right, that discussion has kind of changed. And I want to say the, the meat of the conversation hasn't changed. It's the words we use to discuss it that has changed. Um, okay. But the cast- and do, you, and do you think the response has changed the response when you're going into these spaces after 2020, do you think people are more open to hearing what you have to say? Yes. And I would say um, in the public performances at libraries and the public venues we did, <laughs> this will sound funny, but there was always one old white guy, as I call them, who came, who read about it and came because they wanted to figure this out. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. They uh, often exhibited a lot of white male privilege and felt that, you know, their opinion on the subject was worth hearing and 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 they were going to hold on to that opinion. We challenged that. But um, well, going back to this, it's hard to change, right? And right. one of the things about changing our stories is that it requires us to change, but we also get into this place of fear that if I have to change my story, am I going to lose something when I become more yeah. inclusive? Yeah. Right. And, and they came and they came wanting to learn and be a part of the program and, and actively engage in conversation. So that's a, a plus. That's a win. Um, but uh, going back to the play, the play calls specifically for um, a black male who's a middle manager, a white male who's... Um, uh, more senior, but not like head of the company, um, a black female who's lower management and up for a promotion, a uh, Hispanic, a Latina, um, uh, who's a lower management, lower part of the lower group. So the group of three women, there's an Asian woman, Latina, and black woman. Um, and yeah, that's our five actors. So some of them play multiple characters. Uh, but the story revolves around um, Dave, who's our black middle manager, um, and Ada's promotion. And um, Ada gets put off and put off and put off, and Dave gets put in the position of having to tell her, right? And it's all coming from the top down. Oh, no, we got to mm -hmm. hire this other guy because he's the nephew of so-and-so. And we got to hire this guy because he went to Harvard. Um, and then there's a whole scenario around the company launching a, a product in China and it's not going well and that they have this Asian employee who gets it. <laughs> you know, she knows why it's not going well. And, you know, they receive information from her, you know, more instantly. She does get promoted. She also ends up getting headhunted by the competition and... <laughs> and leaving for a better job. So, so it, it really talks about all the dynamics of what happens when you don't understand race and how racism impacts things, you know? And so it sounds like it's a great play, but I, but I do want to make sure that we get to the yeah. work that you're actually doing 
right now, particularly around mental health. And again, trying to shift the stories that we are familiar with. Yeah. So in 2020, we said as an organization, we said, look, this, these are our strengths and opportunities. We have a strong theater team. We know theater for social change. Social change is a lot broader. Um, you know, yes, a lot of people are dealing with mental health right now, but as a, as you know, this issue of racism is a big one and, um, let's tackle it. Um, so, you know, the people like us project was kind of putting our toe in the water. And then um, we said, okay, yep, we are, we're committed to this. We applied for grants to create our own play, devise a play uh, around um, disparity, racial disparity in healthcare, particularly mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that, that, those proposals have been extremely successful. Clearly there's a need for somebody to be out there um, getting this conversation going, but we also. So what are you, what are you saying, though, Emma? What are, what are the what are the things that you're seeing in terms of disparities that you want to address in the play? Well, we we recognize this is not our story to tell. So a lot of our work, and we're still kind of in the stages, the final stages of this, has been pulling the team together whose story it is to tell. And we are simply the facilitators. Now, like, okay, there's still, we raised the money. So there's still this power structure that we're saying, okay, yeah, we have to minimize that. Um, we did a great theater training, a couple of us uh, at the beginning of, um, or uh, earlier in 2022, uh, called Creating Culturally Competent Productions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was, mm-hmm. It was exactly, it was run by a company called Black and Brown Theater that's, I think, in Detroit, and um, along with some other theater people who really kind of broke it down in a very positive way um, and helped us right from the get-go say, okay, we have to, like, this This already exists. We're, we're a predominantly white female organization and we have the money for this project. So who, how, who else do we engage? Who do we bring on board um, in an authentic way mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be a part of this conversation? And how do we just support the process and, um, and the platform for this conversation to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also really important to us that the project... Um, be about creating positive change, right? Mm-hmm. We're not coming together. We're going to share stories, but along that way, finding the way to say, okay, these are true lived experiences, or this is, you know, however artistically that manifests itself. Um, but am I bringing in as an audience to, right? that we can have that conversation of what can we do? What can we do that's different? Where are the baby steps we can take to start to start to change? Um, So that our audience though would be, um, would, would, you know, understand some of these disparities. Can you speak to, because if you're doing a play on disparities, that means that you've heard some Mm -hmm. stories that you've seen the statistics. So could you just talk about maybe one or two, uh, things that you've noticed that are different. So I spoke earlier about diagnoses are often yeah. different. 
what are you noticing? So we, we did have a series of community conversations and we are partnering with a black run theater. Um, that's a, a fairly new theater in new London called emergent theater project. So, um, uh, Michael Bradford from emergent theater has been, uh, terrific to work with and co-facilitated conversations with our executive director, Becca Atkins, who, um, is our mental health professional. So we heard, um, interestingly, we heard a lot about language barriers. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, mixed race and Spanish speaking uh, individuals in health crises have no access to translation or their privacy is violated because Mm -hmm. of translation issues. So, um, so well, and that, that just reminded me of something else. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I remember when I worked in the high school and if we had a parent who did not speak English, the very child that we were talking to the parent about would have to translate. And that becomes problematic, right? If you do not have, uh, the proper uh, translator to be there. Uh-huh. And you've got to also say, am I hearing the right thing? Am I getting at the right thing? I know that even when I have had translators, um, as a person who was doing the diagnosis, I had to make sure, are you asking the question that I'm asking you right. to ask? Right. Because sometimes it would be a long conversation and I'd get one or two words back. <laughs> right. Right. No, you need to have somebody trained in yeah. this area, who knows how to do those translations? And, and think well. if the person getting medical care has been a victim of abuse or, mm. or victimized in some other ways, like how how that impacts the situation. Um, so we also heard a lot, uh, too, that like, oh, no, therapy is a white, is a white thing, right? I was brought up not to, uh, you know, from... Um, uh, black people that were part of our conversations. I was brought up that like, you know, we don't do therapy. There's no therapists in my community. I don't see black therapists. Um, right. I don't, I well, don't so that's the, access it. Well, that's really an interesting thing, right? Because I did my dissertation on help seeking behavior yeah. of African-American parents. And as it turns out, most of the ones that I interviewed were willing because I had that same perspective too, but I think it depends on whether people think that they can see people who look like them, who get them. And then we also come from this system of, you know, like the Tuskegee experiment where, you know, we don't trust the system that we're going to. And so I think that, I think that we have to do something about this, even myth that we don't go to therapy. Right. And that therapy isn't available and it isn't needed for us because there is that stigma out there. And quite frankly, uh, I know this to be true as well. Sometimes we normalize behavior that really needs care. And that happens in all cultures. But I think that even when I think about like there's an extra stress that we experience that can cause uh, issues. We all know that stress can have medical implications. They can have psychological implications. And we need to take those things into consideration and start telling a different story that, yes, we do go to therapy. 
I mean, I'm a therapist. So of course I, I, you know, I want to make sure that, that, um, that we are also engaging in uh, getting our own mental health treatment as well. I know that there are few of us, particularly in this area, there are few uh, African-American therapists of color and uh, of color, uh, redundant, but African-American therapists. And and I actually don't see clients anymore. So, you know, it's, it's not a great pool of therapists who, um, who are available often, who look like the people that they serve. So, um, Emma, we do have to take another a quick break. So when we come back, I want to just hear a little bit more about the goals of the project that that you're working on. And you've talked about that a little bit, but if you could just expand that. And we're going to be right back. Uh, this is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers... Avengers Assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest, Emma Palazir Ray. Emma, I do want to hear a little bit about the goals of your current project that you're working on. But before we do that, you know, at the top of the hour, you talked a bit about uh, George Floyd's murder and COVID. And tell me a little bit about the conversation you heard around that combination that really sparked you even more to engage in the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, we like we knew, um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, right, isolation was going to be a problem uh, for anyone um, experiencing any kind of mental um, mental health issues, right? Ex- isolation was going to exacerbate that. So um, that's just 
a fact, right? And of course, that's what we've seen happen. Um, so that's a struggle in and of itself. And our conversations that we were having with black and brown people in the community, um, just the um, amount of pain and struggle um, that we heard about that people experienced, you know, they were already in a difficult place because of COVID when George Floyd's murder happened, that that was really just um, pushed people, uh, you know, as far as they could, you know, imagine that the, um, uh, and some people expressed it caused them to just isolate more because they didn't know how to um, handle their emotions or, um, or, or that they just couldn't face anything, right? Just that, um, so, uh, right, that confluence of events is, um, you know, is something to unpack. And, um, uh, you know, right now we're looking at who's going to be the creative team that's going to create this piece and perform it. And, um, and, you know, what, providing them with, you know, uh, recordings of these conversations and other research, statistical research, um, other th conversations that people are having around racial disparity in healthcare and mental health and um, their own lived experiences and what they're going to bring to the conversation. But I, well, if I could just, just hear about the pain. Yeah. Yeah, if I could just jump in there for a second, I have talked to uh, even even black men who, for the first time, said, "Look, I realized I actually did need to go to therapy and I did need to take a break because if day in and day out you see uh, people who look like you being abused and murdered and all of that, first of all, that's a, that's terrorism at its best to see." things like that. And we take it as the norm. But what happens is, is that it impacts your psyche. And I had some people um, who I've talked to, actually one man in particular that I, I talked to who talked about his pain of what happened to George Floyd and him needing to take time off work. And then just weeks later, his brother was shot by the police. You know, and these are very real things that are happening to folks and it's not just happening to people in certain neighborhoods and all of that you know people are being stopped by the police and things happen right they it escalates and so i think it's really important for our listeners if we're talking about changing stories it's not only important for white people to change their stories about what they think about black and brown people but it is important for us as people of color to change our stories to change our stories so that we go and get the help that we need to go and 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 change our story around who's available to help us because it doesn't just happen have have to be a, a person of color for therapy but that therapist does have to understand what black and brown people go through because the thing that we 
dislike so much about going to therapy and going to the doctors and going to mental health professionals in any capacity, even the school, is that when people doubt that racism is impacting us. And I think that's the reason why it's important for us to tell the stories that matter, you know, and, and my hope is that, um, and you'll talk just for a second, I know we're going to run out of time here, about your goals of, of your of this play. I hope that the goals will be around changing the mindset of, of everyone involved so that we can provide the best treatment, so that we can go and get care, so that we can understand that we need to reconcile our relationships so that we all can heal, right? But talk a bit then about your, your goals. Yeah. So, you know, uh, similar to the model we've been talking about, right, the play will facilitate a conversation and a platform for um, really saying, so how do we, you know, what did we see in the play? What can we address? Um, mm -hmm. How do, how do we as a community change it so that, um, you know, yes, the play will, the performance will be for black and brown people, but it's for the community as a whole and for people who are in mental health care and health care so that they can say, oh, yeah, I didn't realize I do that. Or, um, yeah, gee, we could change that one thing. How do we mm -hmm. you know, either fight for translators or how do we better, you know, how do we improve um, the delivery of care or the access to care, right? So there's those two kind of issues. Access is, you know, one big question we have to explore. Um, and whether that's the story one tells themselves that I don't have access to care or often it's I don't need it particularly with mental health, right? Um, or I can, I can deal with this on my own um, versus, um, like, you know, what do we do so that people understand what's available to them and how, and, and understand that they have access to it. And then what that delivery of care looks like, is there a full understanding of, um, the experience of this person and what they need? So Emma, let me ask you, um, if you would just really quickly do, do you, because you're interested in getting people who have mental health issues, as well as people who uh, care for those people, are you doing anything special to draw those people in? So we, we, we have two minutes to the show ends, but if you could tell me really quickly, if you are specifically targeting those uh, groups. Yes. And that's like a whole other part of the project. That's the non-artistic side. Okay. Like how are we, who are we targeting as an audience and how are we getting them, um, you know, to this performance? And, you know, so, but so much of it, especially, well, not especially with the topic, it's always the case, but we have to be especially cognizant of it is one-on-one -on -one conversations, right? Is us as a team and the broader team and the people we engage in the community saying, hey, this is what we're working on. Help us, you know, like who else do you think should be at the table or be in the audience or, um, uh, you know, and that's uh, time consuming, but important, right? That like one-to-one right. -one relational um, and, and that's part of what, going back to the beginning, this culturally competent productions workshop we did was like, 
you know, especially as white people say, oh, I don't want that person to think I'm asking them because they're black. Right. And and really. Right. Like understanding I'm asking you because. Tara Lynn, you're a therapist. Right. You have seen. Right. People. I value your opinion. Um, and I want to engage you in this project. Oh. Right. Yeah. So Emma, I, I hate to cut you short, but we we've, we're we're running out of time here. I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I just want to invite people to uh, look up Art Reach Incorporated, and you can learn more about Emma. We will have all of her contact information, of course, posted on her our site. So please do look uh, up Emma and be ready to come to the play when it's all uh, ready uh, for the community as well, particularly locally. I want to invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Emma, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you to my listening audience. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. On edge. Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's leave. Used in. to do stuff. I'm Sandra house. Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on TalkRadio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on TalkRadio.nyc. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism, 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 